Welcome to Skybound Chronicles, the podcast that takes you on a thrilling journey through the clouds, exploring the iconic Boeing 727 and the incredible stories that surround its development, history, and the world of aviation. I'm your host, Pavel, and together we'll soar through the skies to uncover the fascinating tales of triumphs, challenges, and mysteries surrounding this legendary aircraft. The Boeing 727's design was born out of a compromise among three major airlines, United Airlines, American Airlines, and Eastern Airlines. Each had specific requirements for a new jet airliner that could serve smaller cities with shorter runways and accommodate fewer passengers. United Airlines, seeking to cater to its high-altitude flights, notably to its hub at Stapleton International Airport in Denver, desired a four-engine aircraft. In contrast, American Airlines, already operating the four-engine Boeing 707 and 720, was interested in a more efficient twin-engine design. Eastern Airlines, eyeing its overwater flights to the Caribbean, insisted on a third engine given the regulatory limitations of the time that restricted twin-engine flights to routes no more than 60 minutes from an airport. This requirement was based on the extended-range twin-engine operational performance standards known as ETOPS. After much deliberation, a consensus emerged for a trijet design, blending the needs of all three carriers. The year 1959 marked a pivotal moment in the 727's history. Lord Douglas, the chairman of British European Airways, BEA, proposed a collaboration between Boeing and the de Havilland Aircraft Company, later Hawker Siddeley, on their respective trijet designs, the 727 and the D.H.121 Triton. The two aircraft shared a similar layout, with the 727 being slightly larger. Boeing's initial plan was to equip the 727 with three Allison AR963 turbofan engines. These were license-built versions of the Rolls-Royce RB163 Spey used by the Trident. In an era of international cooperation, Boeing and de Havilland exchanged engineers to evaluate each other's designs. However, the partnership was not to be, Boeing decided against the joint venture. De Havilland had proposed that Boeing license build the D.H.121, but Boeing was convinced that the aircraft needed to be specifically tailored for the American market. This meant a design accommodating six abreast seating and capable of operating from runways as short as 4,500 feet. As 1960 dawned, Pratt & Whitney was seeking a customer for its new JT-8D turbofan design, a derivative of its J-52 turbojet. Both United and Eastern showed interest in this engine as an alternative to the RB-163 Spey. Once Pratt & Whitney committed to developing the JT-8D, Eddie Rickenbacker, the chairman of Eastern, expressed a preference for this engine for their 727s. Boeing, which had not initially offered the JT-8D due to its heavier weight and less advanced development stage compared to the RB-163, eventually agreed to offer it as an option. It later became the sole power plant for the 727. The 727 was designed with high-lift devices on its wing, enabling it to use shorter runways than most earlier jets, such as the 4,800-foot runway at Key West International Airport. This feature was crucial for its intended market, focusing on smaller airports with limited infrastructure. The design of the 727 continued to evolve, with later models being stretched to accommodate more passengers. This evolution allowed the 727 to replace older jet airliners like the Boeing 707 and Douglas DC-8 and propeller-driven aircraft such as the DC-4, DC-6, DC-7. 
and Lockheed constellations on short and medium-haul routes. The 727 soon established itself as a workhorse of the skies. For over a decade, it held the record for the most jet airliners built per year. By the time production ended in 1984, a total of 1,832 aircraft had been built, a record number for any jet airliner until surpassed by the Boeing 737 in the early 1990s. The 727's unique design featured a middle engine at the rear of the fuselage, drawing air through an S-shaped duct. This duct, however, initially caused problems. On the first flight of the 727 to 100, flow distortion in the duct induced a surge in the centerline engine during takeoff. The solution came in the form of large vortex generators added to the first bend of the duct. The 727's design emphasized independence from ground facilities, a critical requirement for operations at smaller airports. One of the most distinctive features of the 727 was its built-in air stair, which opened from the rear underbelly of the fuselage. Initially, this air stair could be opened in flight, a feature infamously used by hijacker D.B. Cooper. In response, Boeing modified the design with a Cooper vane, preventing the air stair from being lowered during flight. The 727 also included an auxiliary power unit, APU, in the main landing gear bay, allowing its electrical and air conditioning systems to operate independently of ground-based power supplies. The fuselage design of the 727 also catered to its target market, with a diameter allowing six abreast seating and a single aisle suitable for the then-standard 18-inch wide coach-class seats. An interesting aspect of the fuselage was the 10-inch difference in height between the lower lobe forward and aft of the wing, maintaining the higher fuselage height of the center section towards the rear. Another unique feature was the option of nosewheel brakes to reduce landing distances. The 727's operational success was not just limited to its technical capabilities. It became a mainstay of many startup airlines' fleets due to its reliability and versatility. Its ability to operate from smaller runways while serving medium-range routes made it an ideal choice for airlines looking to connect cities with large populations but smaller airports to major tourist destinations worldwide. The clean wing design, free from wing-mounted engines, allowed for the use of leading-edge devices and trailing-edge lift enhancement equipment across the entire wing. These high-lift devices produced a maximum wing lift coefficient of 3.0, contributing to the 727's ability to land on shorter runways. However, some carriers, after reviewing various accidents, restricted the use of the 40-degree flap setting, limiting it to 30 degrees to avoid a high sink rate or stall on final approach. Despite its many successes, the 727 was not without its challenges. It fell into the Stage 2 category in the U.S. Noise Control Act of 1972, which categorized it among the noisier commercial jetliners. This act mandated the introduction of quieter Stage 3 aircraft. Boeing engineers explored the possibility of fitting the 727 with quieter, more fuel-efficient JT-8D-200 engines, but structural modifications to accommodate these larger engines were deemed too extensive. Consequently, existing 727s had to be retrofitted with hush kits to reduce engine noise to Stage 3 levels to continue flying in U.S. airspace. These regulations came into effect on December 31, 1999. FedEx offered one such hush kit, which was purchased by over 60 customers. In addition, aftermarket winglet kits were developed to reduce noise at lower speeds and decrease fuel consumption. 
Raysbeck Engineering also developed packages enabling the 727 to meet Stage 3 noise requirements with relatively simple modifications. The impact of the 727's noise level was felt internationally. Since September 1, 2010, 727 jetliners, even those equipped with hush kits, have been banned from some Australian airports due to excessive noise. This marked the end of an era for an aircraft that had not only shaped the aviation industry but had also become a symbol of technological progress and innovation. Welcome back to our podcast series on the Boeing 727, where we continue our exploration into the operational history of this iconic aircraft. In this segment, we will delve into the diverse roles and global impact of the 727 in both passenger and cargo transportation as well as its unique applications in military operations. The Boeing 727's operational versatility was a significant factor in its global popularity. Not only did it serve domestic flights of medium range, but it also excelled in international passenger airlines. Its range capabilities and the added safety of a third engine made it highly efficient for short to medium range international flights across various regions. The 727's adaptability extended to the world of cargo and charter airlines. A notable example is FedEx Express, which introduced the 727 into its fleet in 1978. For decades, the 727 formed the backbone of FedEx's operations until it began transitioning to Boeing 757s in 2007. Globally, many cargo airlines have employed the 727 as a reliable workhorse. As noise regulations phased out the 727 from U.S. domestic service, it found new life with overseas users in areas with less stringent noise restrictions. Charter airlines such as Sun Country, Champion Air, and Ryan International Airlines also began their operations with 727 aircraft. The 727's design, particularly its aft air stair that could be opened in flight, lent itself to some unique military uses. The Central Intelligence Agency utilized the 727 during the Vietnam War to drop agents and supplies behind enemy lines. In an intriguing twist, in early 1988, the Iraqi Air Force modified a Boeing 727 for electronic and radar intelligence gathering. This modified 727, known as the FAW 727, played a role in the invasion of Kuwait in 1990 and the subsequent monitoring of coalition forces during Operation Desert Shield. The high-mounted engines of the 727 made it particularly suitable for operations on gravel or lightly improved runways. This feature was invaluable for airlines like Canada's First Air, which used the 727 to serve remote communities in Nunavut with gravel runways. The military also saw the value in the 727's design, leading to the development of the Boeing C-22, a military version operated by the Air National Guard and National Guard Bureau as a medium-range transport aircraft. Despite its widespread use and versatility, the dawn of the 21st century brought challenges for the 727. Rising fuel costs, the economic impact post, 9-11, increasing airport noise restrictions and the costs associated with maintaining older aircraft led to its gradual phase-out from major airlines. The shift towards twin-engined aircraft, which were quieter and more fuel-efficient, marked the end of the era for the 727 in large airline fleets. Delta Airlines and Northwest Airlines were among the last major U.S. carriers to retire their 727s from scheduled and charter service, respectively, in the early 2000s. 
the 727 was often replaced by aircraft such as the Boeing 737-800 or the Airbus A320, both of which are similar in size to the 727-200. However, the legacy of the 727 continues. A notable moment in its history occurred on March 2, 2016, when the first 727 ever produced, N7001U, made a final flight to the Museum of Flight in Seattle after extensive restoration. This aircraft, which had flown about 3 million passengers, was originally a prototype and later operated by United Airlines before being donated to the museum in 1991. The museum's efforts culminated in a 15-minute ferry flight from Payne Field to Boeing Field granted by a special permit from the Federal Aviation Administration. Another museum piece, a 727-223 with tail number N874AA, was donated to the National Airline History Museum in Kansas City but faced financial difficulties with its restoration, leading to its eventual scrapping in 2021. The journey of the Boeing 727 began with the Minus 100 series, launched in 1960 and entering service in 1964. The very first 727 to 100 with the registration N7001U took to the skies on February 9, 1963. After receiving FAA-type approval later that year, the first 727 was delivered to United Airlines, with Eastern Airlines inaugurating passenger service in 1964. This series, originally designated simply as 727 with a two-digit customer code, was retroactively renamed the Minus 100 to distinguish it from later variants. A total of 571 aircraft in the Minus 100 series were built, with the last delivered in 1972. The Dash 100C, or convertible, was a versatile variant that allowed for various configurations ranging from full passenger to mixed passenger cargo layouts, demonstrating the 727's adaptability. The 727-100QC, or Quick Change, further enhanced this flexibility with a roller-bearing floor for rapid conversion between passenger and cargo use. The QF, standing for Quiet Freighter, was a cargo conversion primarily for United Parcel Service. It was re-engined with Stage 3-compliant Rolls-Royce Tay turbofans addressing noise concerns and extending the 727's operational life in noise-sensitive areas. The military also found use for the 727. The C-22A and C-22B were military versions used for transporting personnel, with the latter being a modified version of the Minus 35 model. In 1965, Boeing launched the Minus 200 series, a stretched version of the 727. This variant was 20 feet longer than its predecessor and featured more powerful engines and higher gross weights, allowing for increased capacity and range. The original Minus 200 evolved into the Minus 200 Advanced with significant improvements in fuel capacity and range. The first Minus 200 flew in 1967 and entered service with Northeast Airlines that same year. The Minus 200 Advanced, introduced in 1970, offered enhanced performance and became the standard production version by 1972. The Dash 200C, a rare convertible passenger cargo version, had only one unit built. The Dash 200F Advanced, a freighter version introduced in 1981, was specifically designed for cargo operations with a reinforced fuselage, large cargo door, and windowless cabin. This variant was primarily built for Federal Express, marking the last production version of the 727. 
An aftermarket upgrade, the Super 27, was introduced in the late 1980s. It involved replacing the side engines with more efficient, quieter JT-8D-217C-219 models, significantly improving fuel efficiency and range. Boeing explored further developments with the proposed 727 to 3727 to 400. The 727 to 300 was a stretched version with seating for up to 169 passengers, featuring more powerful engines and a strengthened undercarriage. The 727 to 400 concept aimed to create an even larger aircraft with two high-bypass turbofan engines under the wings. However, neither of these variants progressed beyond the concept stage. An interesting and unique modification of the 727 was the FA 727, modified by Iraq in the late 1980s for electronic intelligence gathering. It played a role in military operations during the invasion of Kuwait and Operation Desert Shield. The Boeing 727's wide array of variants demonstrates the aircraft's exceptional adaptability and the diverse roles it played in aviation history. From serving in commercial passenger and cargo operations to fulfilling specialized military roles, the 727 proved its versatility and reliability time and again. As we continue our journey through the history of the 727, its enduring legacy in the aviation industry becomes ever more apparent. The 727's early years were marked by several tragic incidents. In August 1965, United Airlines Flight 389 crashed into Lake Michigan, killing all 30 people on board. The crash remained a mystery as the plane continued its descent into the water without explanation. Later that year, American Airlines Flight 383 and United Airlines Flight 227 also experienced fatal crashes due to pilot errors in approach and landing procedures. One of the deadliest incidents occurred in February 1966 when all Nippon Airways Flight 60 crashed near Tokyo's Haneda Airport, resulting in the loss of all 133 people on board. The cause of the crash was never determined. Other notable incidents in the 1960s include the bombing of an American Airlines 727 over Colorado, the collision of Piedmont Airlines Flight 22 with a Cessna and various hijackings that reflected the era's heightened security concerns. The 1970s witnessed a continuation of serious incidents. In 1971, Alaska Airlines Flight 1866 crashed in Alaska due to navigational errors, and the following year, King Hassan II of Morocco's 727 survived an attempted coup d'etat. Perhaps one of the most infamous incidents was the hijacking of Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 305 by D. B. Cooper, which led to significant changes in aircraft design to prevent similar occurrences. Throughout the decade, the 727 was involved in various crashes due to pilot error, mechanical failures, and extreme weather conditions. These included the mid-air collision of all Nippon Airways Flight 58 with a fighter jet, the crash of TWA Flight 514 on Mount Weather, and the tragic accident of Pacific Southwest Airlines Flight 182 in San Diego. The 1980s saw a continuation of diverse incidents, from hijackings to crashes due to mechanical issues or pilot error. Notable events included the crash of Iran Air Flight 291 near Tehran, the hijacking of TWA Flight 847 by Hezbollah and Islamic Jihad members, and the disastrous crash of Mexicana Flight 940 due to an overheated tire exploding in the wheel well. The 1990s and 2000s were not exempt from incidents. 
These years saw a range of events from hijackings such as ACE's Columbia Flight 385 to crashes due to various factors including pilot error, mechanical failure, and weather conditions. Notable incidents included the shooting down of Alenia's Ariane's Congolese's 727 in 1998 and the disappearance of a 727 in Angola in 2003, which remains a mystery. In more recent years, accidents have continued, though less frequently reflecting both the age of the 727 fleet and the advancements in aviation safety standards and technology. Iran Air Flight 277 in 2011 and Allied Air Flight 111 in 2012 are examples of the ongoing risks in aviation. The history of accidents and incidents involving the Boeing 727 is a stark reminder of the challenges and risks inherent in aviation. Each incident has contributed to a better understanding of aircraft design, pilot training, and safety regulations helping to make air travel one of the safest modes of transportation today. The 727's operational history has played a significant role in shaping these advancements. As we reflect on the Boeing 727's legacy, it's important to remember that its story is intertwined with the evolution of aviation safety. Each incident has been a learning experience, contributing to the continuous improvement in aircraft design and operational procedures that benefit all who fly today. Thank you for all your support. Please consider subscribing or following. I was your host, Pavel, and until next time where we will explore one of the most successful airplanes in history, the Boeing 737.